Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2020's The Sleepover. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. Let's get this out of the way. This is a Netflix-produced kids movie. Yeah, but with a fairly star-studded cast. So, in this movie we have Malin Ackerman, whomst we stand, Big Dick Richie, Joe Manganiello, Ken Marino, friend of the pod, and also Cree Cicino, who I recognized from Mr. Iglesias. Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, she plays Marisol. Yes. Also, you have the IMDb page up, it sounds I like. I do. Who plays Clancy? Clancy is played by Sadie Stanley, who I don't particularly recall. So she played Kim Possible when they redid it about two years ago. Oh, yeah, there it is. Kim Possible. So it's like, hey, good for her. Which, I mean, I'm on the wrong side of 35 to be watching a Kim Possible movie. So I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember people like giving grief about it because it was like people my age who watched the original series and then were mad that she like was a little bit younger in the live action. And I was like, eh, it's kid. It's more yeah, kids. Do as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Johnny quest didn't age for like 30 fucking years. So like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> or like he aged five years over a period of 30 years. Yeah. One thing that's crazy to me is that if you look at the poster of this movie, you would think that this is kind of a spy movie. You would think. And it's not that that's so far off base, but it's not a spy movie. Or at least, they are not spies. No, no they're not. Although, alright, some more deep Sophia lore. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know what? No, we'll, we'll get to it. That comes in the analysis section. Okay. You get the Deep Sophia lore in analysis. Let's get started. <laughs> I just wanted to say, it's not literally a spy movie, but it has a lot of spy movie elements. So it kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So this movie starts off, we're in a school, and this kid's just talking and is recounting the plot of The Martian. <laughs> Which I suspected everybody would be like, uh, no, that's not a thing. But the teacher actually clocks it as literally, and I'm quoting here, that's just the plot of The Martian, end quote. This is for a school report on their family history. Yes. What's insane is that he thought he could get away with it because this movie's mostly realistic, which means we're just in like 2020. People have not been to Mars yet. You know, I don't like the trope of the overconfident chubby kid. And that's exactly what this is. They're just setting it up for that. I like the trope of his friend even less, but we'll get there. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so it's a kid's movie, and that means that we do deal in trope-heavy. Like, it's it's very trope-heavy, and not in a good way. Yeah. How old would you say the younger two are? Probably about sixth grade, maybe? Yeah, I would say sixth grade, because they're in the same school as eighth graders. But also the same school as high school students? Well, sometimes that happens. Yeah. There, are, there are combined schools. I don't know if Cape Cod is the kind of place where you would see that kind of thing. Cape Cod strikes me as more like boarding school-y kind of environment. But <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> then we get like the opening credits and it's just shots of the school, which don't really serve a purpose. But it's shot like a 
like a suiting up montage almost with like this mm-hmm. high stakes action music. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I get the tone that you want for this. And it, it, it at least does a good job of setting that up early. Well, I mean, again, like there's, there's an assumption that the audience here has the attention span of goldfish. So you have to like, make sure you're like, this will get exciting soon. And we see that because the, uh, the, oh shit. I'm so bad at names. There's Clancy and Kevin who are the like main two kids. Kevin. Yeah. And then there's Lewis and Mim or Miriam, but mostly Mim yeah. uh, as the other two. So is it one of those? Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, Kevin goes into the bathroom and is uh, overconfident, chubby kid. He's feeling himself. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's kind of like flirting with himself in the mirror and then he starts dancing and unbeknownst, there's a guy in one of the stalls recording him on his camera phone. Now this is an eighth grade student. It's not just like, a yeah, guy it's an eighth grader. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Okay, so so yeah, you're right. It, it, it's an eighth grade student who like records him doing this like crazy, you know, dance. Which ah, I hate school children so fucking much. He's feeling himself. Good for him. Yeah, like that's the sort of thing that later in life will be a good thing for that kid to have. And of course, because it is a good thing for him to have later in life. They have to crush it out of him because school children are the fucking worst. Truly. We get a short scene before that with Clancy, which one, rough name for a girl. Yeah, but like Cape Cod. Oh, okay. And were you ever in like band or orchestra? (sighs) My brother had a full ride to Ole Miss, or not Ole Miss, Mississippi State on a band scholarship. I, I was supposed to play saxophone, but my parents could not afford the instrument rental. That'll happen. But my brother got a full ride. <laughs> Just anyway, no, I was not in band. I did orchestra for fifth grade through eighth grade, and I played the cello. I was not good, but I remember <laughs> schlepping around a cello. So I was like, <laughs> I feel for you, girl. Yeah. So and and that's something I noted. I'm like, God, they just. In an environment where everybody is just like looking for like target tracking, fucking looking for something to make fun of people. Here's this girl carrying around this body sized musical instrument. Oh, we're introduced to the high school bitches. Yes. The most nothing characters, quite frankly. And honestly, like, yeah, very, very like basic. None of this movie is challenging. I'm just going to put that out there. But also, there are only this scene and one other, and it's like, okay, you had, like, no effect on the plot. Like, they barely hurt this girl's feelings. It's Yeah, so this is actually neat, though, in a way, because, like, while, yeah, this isn't really challenging material, everybody ignores the mean girls. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Like, the, the cool kid, like, is kind of talking with Clancy, and then the mean girls come up, and they start making fun of Clancy, and Travis is like, ignore them. They don't matter. And just like, hell yeah. So I guess in this case, their inclusion highlights like a void of something. So that's kind of neat. But that happens. Kevin does his dance and he's being like chased out of the bathroom by this asshole eighth grader. And we meet Alan Ackerman. Yeah, Alan Ackerman is a lunch mom, which I don't know if that's still a thing. Probably not during a pandemic, but yeah. So I yeah I don't I don't think it it bears explaining why there is a you know parent monitoring lunch but we also get the first hint that she is scary she got scary 
So she like because Kevin is is her son and like Kevin like walks past her and she like stops these eighth graders from from following him around and uh, harassing him. And, you know, the kids are like, well, what are you going to do about it? She's like, oh, I mean, I'll find out who your teachers are. I'll find out who your parents are and where they live. And then I'll sneak to your house and cut a tiny hole in your brake line so that one minute you have brakes and next you don't. That's like, geez. <laughs> and then you just plow through traffic and you get T-boned. Who knows what could happen? Anything could happen. We'll see. And the kids skitter off because obviously she's terrifying and hot. <laughs> I have a huge crush on Malin Ackerman, by the way. As well you should. So yeah. Yes, the day has ended and we go to a minivan with Ken Marino inside. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Love Ken Marino. And he is doing, you know those exercise equipments that help with grip strength? He's doing that just mm. for his fingers. And it's just as weird as it sounds. And everyone who climbs into the van at the end of the day acknowledges that it's just as weird as it sounds. So at this point, we have Kevin and Clancy. Mm -hmm. Ken Marino, whose character's name is Ron. Yep. His kids. And then Clancy's friend, Mim. All right. So this is my favorite character. My second favorite, because I just love Ken Marino so much. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Yeah, so Mim is a sassy Latina, which I feel like that's typecasting, but also she's a child actor, so you're not expected to have a whole lot of range. No, but she is so funny. <laughs> yes, definitely pure delight. But one thing I really appreciate is you can see how Kevin and Clancy became the dorks that they are by watching Ron. Yeah, so Ron is a pastry chef, which... That's not really a nerdy profession. In fact, it's a high-stress profession. Like, how'd you make that nerdy, though, is my question, I guess. <laughs> they put glasses on the guy. That's fair. <laughs> they, sh they sure the fuck did. Listen, just because your job isn't nerdy doesn't mean you aren't nerdy yourself. True that. There's a whole thing about trying to leave quickly because Kevin's teacher is approaching... And yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work out. She oh. says Kevin was telling just crazy lies, and he has to redo his project. Now, I, in my memory of this, thought this had a fun payoff at the end, and it kind of does, but not in the way I had hoped. All right. Well, I am marking down a note because we need to talk about a thing there. Cool. One other thing that we see in this scene, though, is that Kevin. Kind of has a crush on Mim. Sure. So his dad kind of embarrasses him in a way that just like parents do. That's a whatever thing. They get home. We find out that they're very protective and that Clancy doesn't even have a phone despite being about 15, right? Yeah. And this is in 2020, mind you. Yeah. Which, my opinion, like the way life works with that people are so spread out. Teenagers should generally have a means of contact and you can't rely on pay phones anymore. So like, mm. even if you're like, I'm not giving them a smartphone, I think teenagers should still have at least a flip phone. Yeah. And honestly, like, all right, I'm not big on transhumanism, but we are as a collective society or, or civilization kind of developing a hive mind that we call the internet. 
And we're all connected to it all the time. We learn from it. We abuse each other on it. Like we live there. So if you don't have access to that, are you fully engaged in the enterprise of being human? In this, the, the, <laughs> in this, the, the year 2020, yeah. um, no, is- common era. Just because she doesn't have a phone doesn't mean she doesn't have internet, but it means she doesn't have internet on the go, which yeah might as well be. Yeah. So it's kind of rough. Anyway, Clancy got invited to this, you know, party with this senior kid, Travis, who is, I don't know, I guess they think he's cute. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. So they're like really excited to go to the Not party. Terrible looking. I, I guess. I don't know. I'm fucking. He's fine. I mean, aside is- from the. Yeah, aside from the fact that he's a child, I don't fucking get guys. Yeah. Not he's fine. No, he's fine. Yeah, he's just he's a dude. Just some guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just he, he's just some guy, you know. I know. We'll have to watch that, and we're gonna hate it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clancy and her mom have a fight. Her mom brings up a William Butler Yates thing, which yeah. does come back. It's like, all right, fine. Goddamn romantics, just. Let the romantics go, please. <laughs> we see Clancy and Mim in their room, and they go over a lot of exposition, but actually I feel like this was pretty natural. Yeah, so they were, it was kind of hinted at in school where, you know, Clancy was shown to be this very competent cellist, and the teacher is like, hey, did you get your recording in? And, you know, it's not really expounded upon, like, what that is. It feels like a video application but it's not really like expounded upon until they're in their rooms and and they're chatting about like, Hey, are you going to Boston this summer? And like, you know, it it feels natural. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel forced. And also this is within 10 minutes. So it's not like you have to wait a long time to find out specifics, but that was really cool. (laughs) Sorry. I wrote down at one point, I think someone says like, are you ready for the sleepover? And I go, that's the name of the movie. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Ding. (laughs) Roll credits. (laughs) We meet Lewis, Kevin's friend, and Lewis, I believe the trope of his mom is called Tiger Mom. Yeah, well, no, Tiger Mom kind of like, it feels like, you know, more aggressive. Okay. And I think, I think of Lewis's mom more as like an alien babysitter. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's completely humorless, not very personable, has only the barest conception of like, privacy and has an entire legal codex of rules that her son must follow that's the thing the trope i hate of like yeah that's the tiger mom thing it is usually asian kids but like are not allowed to do anything so like there's so many rules of like i can't have processed cheese i'm allergic to fucking everything apparently there's a running Mm -hmm. gag throughout he's like they're like let's do something maybe slightly dangerous and he's like i'm not allowed to do that it's like oh my god dude and and at one point like he's like i'm not allowed to enter like private property and and kevin's like no one is (laughs) but we're doing it they as soon as lewis gets there they go to play video games i am 80 percent sure that this is Fortnite, and 20 percent think that it's fully made up but i'm like he drops some name that i was like is that a is that a Fortnite town? I like area. I can't remember because I don't play Fortnite. Right. I'm a big boy. I play Apex Legends. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but Kevin is apparently now an internet star. Yeah, not in a good way. Nope. 
He is straight up a boxy meme waiting to happen. <laughs> so yeah, so Kevin's getting famous. And okay, so given the paratext of all this, like you assume that both Margot, Malin Ackerson's character, and Ron, they're both like this spy-esque person. And like, obviously with Margot, you kind of buy it. And with Ron, you're like, God damn, that's a good disguise. <laughs> <laughs> because Ron is a dope and kind of a loser. That reminds me. I believe we talked about this in the In a World episode, which also had Ken Marino. This is one of mm-hmm. like the two general characters he plays. In In a World, he's like a cocky asshole. And here, mm-hmm. it's a, a real dopey guy. Yeah, a cringe loser. But we see that like because Margot is at the end of this viral video things have gone into motion like we see this guy watch the video and recognize her and he's like oh shit and like i have to get my ass in gear for something yeah never seen this guy before rough introduction so a pizza is delivered to the house and we also get the idea that ron's not in control of any aspect of his life because he can't even control his goddamn dog like the kids can the delivery guy can so crazy. but ron can't yeah so they deliver this pizza and bum 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 it was a scout. Like they just wanted to make sure it was actually Margot. Oh yeah, she does show up and like walks Yeah, she's walking downstairs. I'm gonna move fast because there I made a note somewhere. A lot of this movie is kind of just bullshitting until the next big plot point. Yeah. So like there's a lot where it's like things are like kind of happening interpersonally, but it could have been cut down in half like a minute scene could have been 30 seconds like that type of thing yeah and there's just so much petty high school bullshit and longtime listeners will know how i feel about petty high school bullshit but not from the high school students (laughs) but not from the high school Mm, (laughs) so speaking of petty high school bullshit clancy gets grounded because she had a fight with her mom over petty high school bullshit and decides that she's going to sneak out and go to a party with Mim, who is delightfully a bad influence. Yeah, so so they are out of the house when some folks come and snatch Margot and Ron. Can I pause real quick? Because the sure. scene of Clancy sneaking out, she's walking in, her dad catches her, but Ron misunderstands why she's sneaking around. And he thinks it's because she wants a sneak taste of his new cupcakes, which I don't remember the flavor. It was like avocado and banana, I think. And I was like, that sounds awful, but you are a good dad. Yeah. And like, this was, this was a point where I hadn't quite been disillusioned into thinking that Ron might be also just a really good disguise (laughs) because he's, he's hiding in the shadows and like he catches Clancy by like, because he has his little finger things and they squeak. So as as she's walking by, you just hear squeak, squeak. And, you know, she's busted, but she's wearing her bathrobe. So mm-hmm. he can't tell that she's dressed for a party. So, yeah, they, they have a moment where they, you know, share this disgusting fucking cupcake. There's also a bizarre head on shot. Like I was not. Ex- Most of this is in like three quarters, which is like a mm-hmm. good framing for people in a yeah. movie. And it just moved head on in a way that I was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, like, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's very dramatic in a scene that had no drama at all in it. Like, 
insofar well i mean i guess you could technically call like am i busted for sneaking out drama yeah. but of a very specific kind that i don't really consider drama no because you are an adult and who's gonna tell you if you can't leave a place except maybe the government in a global pandemic <laughs> well yeah or that time i was in jail <laughs> i couldn't have just walked out of my cell i know i tried big sad <laughs> big sad so yeah so Ron kind of fucks off and lets Clancy, you know, sneak out the back. And this is fortuitous because while she and Mim are kind of outside, I guess. Yeah, that's the rally point for this exfiltration. And then speaking of exfiltration, Margot gets snatched and Ron gets taken as collateral by a criminal gang who are familiar with Margot's hidden past. And here Ron is just... Doing his best. <laughs> yeah, but his best is not very good. He's like, I think you have a misunderstanding. You have the wrong people. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so we also learned that Margot's name is not in fact Margot. It's Matilda. Cool. Which, okay, weird, but kind of badass. So, yeah. So they get snatched, but the kids aren't in the house, so they don't get taken at the same time. In fact, nobody even like knows they're there. Right. One of the kids was in the house in the bathroom, so witnessed some of it, but like, stayed hidden. Oh, yeah, 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 the bedwetter. Yep. The Asian kid. Yeah. I get that's, like, supposed to be backstory and, like, kind of a thing, but it also doesn't really play, like, we never see him or have any suggestion other than people blankly telling us. Yeah. And it's like, I guess that's all you need. Quite frankly, I would not have wanted to see it play out. (laughs) That would not have been enjoyable. No. That would that would not have been fun. Anywho. This guy that we saw, though, sitting on his ass and then, like, trying to get it in gear, shows up. And the kids all attack him. So I said, fuck this bureaucrat, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing. That's not supposed to be a bureaucrat. That's supposed to be a badass, hardened U.S. Marshal. You can't tell me all of the Marshals are badass and hardened. Some of them gotta be, like, some, just some schlubs. Not all of them, but typically you don't send them to do site checks on people who are in witness protection. Okay. That makes more like, sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's a weird thing. Like, it's a weird flex to have this guy be a complete schlub. But I will say two things in his favor. One, he got caught by surprise, which probably shouldn't have, but whatever. And two, he's dealing with kids, and you're not going to use the same amount of force that you would on adults. Yeah, but you can... Okay, so... Putting myself in the position of, of a, you know, marshal at this point, and a kid, like, tries to block my way with a sword, roll your eyes and walk past him. What's he going to do? Hit you in the leg with his plastic sword? Who cares? The kid throws it and hits him in the face. <laughs> okay, also, though, who cares? Yes. <laughs> Combined, all of these kids weigh 150 pounds. Yes. He gets... Tied up and then starts telling them all this exposition that they need to know. And here I made a note that you can tell this is a PG movie made for kids because this guy reveals that their mom is not from Nebraska. She's from, I think, Ontario or maybe Toronto. I don't remember, but it's not important. And Ontario. The, yeah. And the, the kid Kevin goes, we're Canadian. And it was clearly meant to be a joke, but it's not funny, <laughs> at least to us. No, but like, yeah, that was a joke that was not for us. Yeah. He like talks about all of the weird Canadian things that, that are bad that he doesn't like. Canadian bacon! It's just ham! 
I am so glad that while he's doing this, the camera's like, we're not, fuck, fuck his kid. We're not paying attention yeah. to him and pulls over not to Clancy. Mm-hmm. I think also in this sort of scene, there's like a split where we do see them arrive at the cabin. Mm-hmm. This movie does a lot of back and forth, which is good. You have parallel plots, but it also makes dividing it up a little trickier. But I was like, damn, Joe Manganiello, you look good. Yeah, well, no, he didn't there because he came out of a fucking cabin in the woods in a tank in his boxers. And he's like, still jacked, though, or not like he's jacked, but like nobody looks good in that. No, that is the uniform of people who are getting hauled away on cops. Not much happens at the cabin yet, but the kids find a clue of where to go next. And so they go off on that adventure i guess yeah i don't remember what exactly happened but they get a like a uber or a lyft or whatever and i was like this feels very 2020 yeah and the the uber driver okay so this is the smartest criticism in the entire movie the uber driver is like no this is weird what the fuck what are you doing and margo or not margo uh Mim. Mim is like i'll give you one star i'll do it and the guy's like okay fine and unlocks the door Yes. Like, completely at the mercy of a 13-year-old, and that fucking sucks. Of uh, Silicon Valley venture capitalists, ultimately. Yeah, who will take the word of a 13-year-old and, um, you know, really fuck that driver. <laughs> crazy. We go back to the cabin, and there is some crazy chemistry between Matilda and Leo, Joe Manganiello. Big Dick Ritchie, yep. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm just, I'm gonna have to call him that throughout this, oh no, it's a children's movie, I better not. Well, hold on, we've already done it at least three times. I think you can commit if you want. No, no, it's, it's in poor taste. So yeah, Leo and... Oh, Matilda. Matilda. Or Margot. Yeah. Margot, Matilda, I, I'm so bad with names. So Leo and Matilda, yeah, they, they do have some, some uh, very spicy chemistry. And Ron is learning about the fact that they were engaged and what they used to do and why Matilda has this entire other life that he, up until now, did not know anything about. This does bug me slightly, not here, but later. So Ron's finding out a lot and he's visibly like flustered by learning all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But like once you, I feel like in this scene, he learns a good amount. And then in Mm -hmm. more, he's like, wait, you went, we... To this other country, and, like, he keeps being surprised, and, like, I get surprised, but, like, the level, at some point it should dip a little bit, of, like, yeah, okay, I don't know anything about you, so, sure, this might as well be true. Yeah, and that that's one of the things that I feel like is, is perhaps the cringiest about our boy Ron, but I, I feel like it, it's, I feel like it's a... It's part of his character and the way his character is played. And I think that is a genre convention is yeah. just like playing the jokes for a lot longer than adults would find funny. Yeah. That said, Matilda and Leo have been, let's call it contracted to steal a crown jewel, like to steal the crown jewels of this sovereign nation that I think is maybe African. Yes. At a party in front of everybody. Okay, all right. I'm. We'll we'll talk about it in the analysis section. But that's insane. That is 100% insane forever. They have a decent idea later, like when they get to their planning part. They have a decent idea of how to make that happen. But also, like their plan eh, is insane. Yeah, how they get out is 
bonkers, truly. <laughs> yeah, they, okay. Oh no, my we, God. We, we have to save it. Yeah, when it yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. I, you can also see, though, that Matilda is, like, kind of getting back in the mindset of, like, okay, then how do we plan this? How do we do this? And she's, like, kind of getting back into this theft world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess they, they have to steal these these crown jewels at a gala event. A gala, not a gala, a gala. That pissed me off so much. <laughs> I know, it's so fucking infuriating. Gala, fuck off. So, yeah. It's the crown of Duran Duran or something? Yeah, Duran I don't... Not important, but they do make a joke where a kid mishears it and says, it's, it's the crown of Duran Duran. And I was like, I like that. The the kid, the kid knows who Durant Durant is. Okay, yeah, sure. he definitely watched Barbarella. Sure, that's the right movie, right? I don't know the Jane Fonda one with Doctor Duran Duran, where they get their name from. Not important. They go to a storage unit and they're trying to figure out the combination, and they're like, maybe it's a birthday. And Kevin's like, Try maybe my it's birthday. my birthday. And Lewis goes, my birthday's March twentieth. And I was like. Lewis, it's not going to be your fucking birthday. You're no one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out it's Clancy's birthday. Cool. But it does appear to be just a bunch of old shit. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, they do the scene where, like, panels move apart and reform, and then there's a bunch of gear, and it's like, hey, I know it was coming. Doesn't make it any less cool. So here's the thing, though. They're in a storage facility. You can't customize like that. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to if you owned the three storage units adjacent to that one. We also see a sick-ass car. I don't know what kind of car this is, but it's uh, it's pretty wicked. It kind of like a Jaguar. I think it looked more like a Maserati to me, but okay. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know cars. Me neither. I just, I know what Maseratis look like because I spent some time living in the part of New Jersey where people would drive them to the grocery store, which by the way is just the most obnoxious thing. Goofy. Yeah. Oh, they, here's where we find out about how old they are. Cause they're like, Oh, you don't have your driver's license. I'm like, it's possible that she's 16 or 17, more likely 16 15. and, and doesn't have it. But I was like, Oh, are you like 15? Yes. Yeah. Which makes the whole senior thing very weird. Yeah, so I've mentioned before, like how the age differences matter less and less as you, you know, age. So, like, 15 and 17, when you're 15 or 17, is a big deal. Yes. But, like, 35 and 37 is inconsequential. Yes. Yeah. But they are in high school, so it does matter a little bit. Yeah. At least a little yeah. bit. But they do, like, an autopilot. They call it predator mode, which is insane, but. It drives them very fast. I'm like, this is cool as hell. 15-year-olds driving a Maserati in predator mode. God damn it. <laughs> so, I, I'm not going to get there, actually. Mm, but yeah. we get to Travis's party. Which is kind of like in the woods-ish. Yeah. Real quick explainer, because I realized we jumped over it. They realize they need to get into the city, which mm -hmm. would take quite a while using a car. But... Yeah. Lewis is like, oh, but it's only like 12 nautical miles. 30. But yeah, so it's oh. like it's a short jump from where they are to Boston as the crow flies over water, which would necessitate a boat. And Mim's like, oh, I can get you that. I know who has a boat. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, 
Oh no, we're just trying to get a boat and get you a boyfriend. But, <laughs> so they go to this this party, and the guys, the guys who are like in charge of the parties, Travis and like his very creepy friend. Like if you've ever seen basically any teenage slasher movie, this is the killer. Like this guy would one hundred percent be the killer. But he's nice enough in this movie. Uh, he just gives off a, a rotten vibe. Rancid. Vibes are fucked. <laughs> Rancid vibes. And he's like, yeah, we got a boat. We can take you. <laughs> Lewis is like, do you have the proper, uh, the appropriate flotation devices? <laughs> Almost certainly not. Nope. That was funny. <laughs> that was. We also see that, yeah, the younger kids have shown up. And the mean girl, Emma, and her two friends who don't say anything are there. And Emma's like, wow, you brought your dork little brother. And it's, I'm like, girl, he just went viral. You're nobody. Like, step off. And and Mim takes no time in putting this, let's call it what it is, bitch, in her place. So she tries to, like, make fun of how they're dressed. And yeah, she's like, nice outfit. And Mim's just like, thanks, I hate yours. And, like, looking back on it, I was like, no, I'm with Mim on this one. You do not know how to dress yourself. You don't. Why are you the mean girl? So I kind of misread that. And I thought that the mean girls were like kind of friendly with Mim. And they were like being mean to Clancy and then like kind of neutral to Mim. And then, but Mim was like, hey, fuck you, actually. But I misread <laughs> it, apparently. No, that's like, I would be mean to you, but I know you're meaner than me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they get on the boat and uh, they get most of the way to Boston and the Coast Guard happens. That threw me off. What did they do to attract the Coast Guard's attention? Just be on the water? Well, it might be that they didn't have any running lights. No nav lights, no running lights. Oh, fair enough. That might be. We do get, while this is happening, a quick jump back to the cabin. Ron is continuing to just be surprised at every revelation with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as much energy as the first one, which... You know what? Good for Ken Marino. Yeah, he, he is. He is very good at this. But also, Malin Ackerman has changed into a outfit that is appropriate for a gala. And she looks yes. stunning in this dress. Oh, yeah. And that's that's about all I can say about that. This dress is fan-fucking-tastic. And I think everybody kind of recognizes that it's fan-fucking-tastic. Back to... Cape Cod and Boston. Our main characters have jumped out because Travis said, like, go, I'll handle the Coast Guard. Yeah, we might get arrested right now because <laughs> we don't have our license. But the kids jump and there's some cute stuff between, like, Kevin and Mim, which... Yeah, it turns out Mim's not as bold as her attitude or leads people to believe. Yeah. Can't swim. And Kevin's just a real confident dude. They get to the other side of the dock, of the lake... Cape, whatever. Bay. Thank you. They pull themselves up and then they just they just lay on the dock. They're just chilling. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> First off, it so it, it's probably March or April because like it's getting close to deadline time for summer school. So that's typically like school. The public school year ends around like late May, early June. So Summer school typically starts three weeks to a month later. So, you know, it is probably it's probably like March or April right now. Mm-hmm. So survivability in in the waters off of Boston, 
given water temperature and currents, like maybe 45 minutes. Swimming is a slow exercise. Like I was a particularly fast swimmer. I could probably, it would take me uh, about, if I could keep my pace up the entire time, I could do a kilometer in 16 minutes. So hope it's not more than three kilometers away or you're dead. And that you can swim that fast. Yeah, and that you can keep pace with me, which I was a rescue swimmer. Probably not. That's whatever. But once they got on the dock and they were just laying down, I was like, this is kind of nice. <laughs> just just a couple of pals chilling on a dock. Soaked in bay water. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. I, around this time, we also jump back and find out what the plan is for the gala. Now, they had to go from the cabin to like the city. They had to take a helicopter. And apparently, Ron gets motion sickness, which Kevin does as well. And I was like, that's also neat. Like, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. reminding that they are actually related. So... Nope. Motion sickness in helicopters is not a big issue. This guy gets quite ill, <laughs> yep. which is just a gross gag that's happening, whatever. But the the plan is that they are going to lightly poison this person who has the crown right. with a poison strip on the palm. Yeah. A skin contact emetic. Now, do you remember the interview with Seth Rogen and James Franco or perhaps Breaking Bad when they were like, we're going to poison people with ricin. I am familiar with, I, so I haven't seen that episode of Breaking Bad. I'm actually not a huge fan of the show. Fair enough. But I am familiar with the interview, yes. Both that episode of Breaking Bad and the interview came out like mm, early 2010s and had mm-hmm. like very similar ways of poisoning people. I was like, what? So the fact that this 2020 movie is like, we're going to do kind of that. I was like, no, the trend has passed. Anyway, like, <laughs> there. so mm, skin contact emetics, probably not very effective. Typically, you have to ingest an emetic. There's a running gag here where Leo is always getting Ron's name wrong. I go, man, fuck this guy. Yeah, and actually, Ron, like, by the time they get to, like, at one point he calls him Raj, and, like, Ron's like, all right, at this point, I think you know my name is Ron. I know you know that's not right. (laughs) Yeah. The kids get out of their wet clothes. The girls go to the gift shop, and the boys go to an exhibit. A historical sailor's exhibit in Boston, I assume. Sure. And it was just so goofy, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, it is essentially like, so they come out dressed like aliens the the girls are wearing like the worst things they could find and the boys are dressed like they are about to ride through lexington and concord shouting the british are coming (laughs) yeah Uh, whatever whatever yeah they get to an address that they thought and they were like hey where's this bar and some guy's like oh it burned down six years ago (laughs) lol and then they turn around and they realize that what they were actually supposed to be looking for was the library across the street which because it's like seven or eight o'clock at night is closed they end up sneaking in because like a maintenance worker is coming out of an entrance Mm -hmm. they have to find like a particular book or at least they think they do because they have a dewey decimal reference number which is it's a copy of a book of poetry from yeats please just Fuck off with the romantics. And I was like, this feels like national treasure at this point, right? 
Yeah, and Mim actually like notes that it's like your mom is into some Da Vinci Code shit. Yeah, I go, it's not Da Vinci Code, it's National Treasure, Mim. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it would be Da Vinci Code if it if the stakes were way high. Well, both way higher and way lower. If it were religious in any way. Yeah, and everybody was speaking in Latin or Italian. So yeah, the book is missing, but it's okay because then they turn around and they see this picture of Yates with like the the frame has a uh, decorative piece missing that matches the necklace that Margot left for them. Yeah, so they find it and it opens up into a a tight stairwell that scares Mim. Which it's still weird to see Mim like nervous because she like projects this like really super confident energy. Yes, but she also like nope, not today, not going down the stairwell of doom, not not gonna happen. And then the little kids go, and she's like, "All right, well, I mean, now the kids are going. Oh, fuck, I have to go." I thought it was very funny. It's dark in there, and it's like, oh, if only someone had a phone flashlight. <laughs> yeah, right. At, like Mim is always on her phone. It's a gag. These kids always be texting. They do be on their phone all the time, though. They do be on their phone. <laughs> yeah, so it's this tunnel that leads to, like, an abandoned train station. And in an abandoned train, in an abandoned train station, lives unnamed character. Oh, yeah, she never gets a name. Did you recognize this actress by any chance? So she reminded me a lot of Colby Smulders from... I get what from, you mean, uh, yes. Yeah. How I Met Your Mother, but it's not. So it's her not. name is Carla Souza, and she's actually a Mexican actress, and apparently the character's name is Jay. Cool. Since it seems you're on IMDb again, will you check? Was mm-hmm. she on Scandal? She was on How to Get Away with Murder. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. I confused yeah. that and Scandal. Yeah. I don't think she was on Scandal. Fair enough. I was thinking of How to Get Away with Murder in that case. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's her. She's also in a show called Home Economics that I like. Which is okay. a middling show, but she's in it. Sure. Yeah. You like what you like, and she's in it. While this is happening, we also see our adults at the gala. They have to, like, get Ron in somehow because he insisted on going with them. Because he's he is insecure. not keeping it together. No. And he God, he tries to do a French accent, and it's just so bad. But also... They're playing Belgians. Yeah. It's it's not quite the same accent. And like okay. a clever or like worldly person might be able to tell. Also, his French accent is terrible. Truly bad. Leo does something like very affectionate towards Matilda. And so Ron's like, okay, that's it. We're going. Grabs Matilda's hand, which means that the poison. He strip- now has the emetic. Yep. Yep. And then. He's like, oh no, I messed up, and puts his hands over his mouth, which means he's kind of ingested it as well. Uh, Okay, so this bears clarification, because I don't think we actually talked about what the plan was. So the plan, originally, is to have Matilda shake this queen's hand by way of greeting, because they're playing a a duke and duchess, and so they'll, they'll shake the queen's hand, because she's wearing the crown that they're trying to steal. And that will cause the emetic to be absorbed into the queen's system. She will be violently ill for a few minutes. And when she excuses herself to the bathroom in order to be ill in, you know, solitude, Matilda will snatch the crown there and then... So we talked about how, like, how the hell were they thinking? 
this part, it's like, oh, at least you're taking it in like a secluded area. Yeah. Yeah. It still doesn't get you out, but it also gets you identified because like not a whole lot of pink sequin dresses at this party. Yeah, that's whole other thing. We have to gloss whole over. Whole other thing, yeah. We, there's a lot that you have to gloss over in this. So, yeah, so the idea is you do the snatch in the bathroom and then get the fuck out however you have to. Jump back to the kids. This lady, you said her name is Jay, I guess. They never say it, yeah. so who cares? Finds out that Matilda's trying to steal this crown. And is like, ooh, that's a big score. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to get in on that. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a heel turn from yeah, what the kids I mean, expected. It, it's a heel turn, but in their defense, they pivot remarkably well and end up locking her to the wall. And like, woman, well, you're supposed to be a professional cat burglar. You just got had by 12 year olds. It's the overconfidence. I guess. I mean, if you, I would not think that a child could pull one over on me. Probably. Sometimes they surprise you. Yes. So that's, that's a whole thing. Yeah. The kids get to the concert all. Mm-hmm. there's a whole thing with Lewis being like, no, I'm going to step up and do something. And then they immediately yeah. undercut it with like him kind of not doing the thing. Not having the upper body strength to get up the ledge. Yeah. Yes. This was the breaking and entering thing, or yep. I guess just entering, but I mean, technically, yeah, technically it's not breaking and entering, but I mean, like legally you would go down for breaking and entering. Right. But I was like, I think that was the right move though, to like c- undercut, his confident. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was entertaining and kind of fun. So eventually he does get in because he's rail thin and he's the only one who can fit through like, cause there's bars on the windows. He can fit through the bars because he's about as wide as a straw. So he gets them in and they are immediately caught as they're sneaking through the kitchen dressed just ridiculous. And this is where Kevin's overconfidence wins the day hard carry on Kevin. So like the, the security officer is like, what the hell are you doing back here? And Kevin's like, Oh, we're um, entertainment. And we're lost. And we're lost. <laughs> and the guy's like, that's bullshit. What are you like? 12? He's like, would we be dressed like this? If we were not the entertainment, get a job, man. And it's like, it was ballsy. And I was like, all right, go Kevin. Also, and look, it worked. We have a hit video on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do so, a real good job of, like, show it for a second so you can see that the video exists, but pull it away so you can't really see what it is. Yeah, and it was like, 2.3 million hits and climbing, buddy. Can we do our job, please? And Damn. the guy buys it. I can kind of get that because, like, people are very afraid to make mistakes, especially in, like, a thing with so many world leaders. <laughs> nope. So the mistake that you make in that kind of scenario is... Uh, well, you're not on the list and I can't verify your identity, so you can play your music outside. Fair enough. You always err on the side of caution when it's heads of state. Yeah, that makes sense. So Kevin's like, okay, we'll play music. They'll play music. And Clancy's like, no, I can't play in front of these people. So the other two have to pick up instruments so they're not immediately found out. They suck naturally. Sure. Yeah. Mim does not know how to make a sound from a violin. Yes. And this security guy's like, God damn it, I fucked up hard. He's like, yeah, I fucking knew it. And like makes a bunch of meaningless calls into his uh, into his earpiece. And so it, it basically convinces Clancy to get on her cello game and uh, she rocks it. And a couple things. 
I think Kevin should have tried to play it off as a joke. It's like, no, 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 but for real. Like that yeah. would have been, that's what a children's entertainment should have done. Yeah. But that wouldn't have made the scene progress or whatever. Also, while this is happening, the adults have been not kidnapped, but like taken by security. Uh, right. So Ron vomited all over the queen. So like the plan may actually be saved, but they are captured by security and like they're, they're tied up in a back room and interrogated gently. They are going back and forth about shit. At one point, Leo and Matilda are talking and the subtitles say like speaks French or something. Mm-hmm. And Ron goes, what is that? Some kind of code language? And I go, you speaking Klingon? <laughs> Here's what I say. French might as well be a secret code language for the number of people who should know it. Oof. French Oof. is an awful language. Oui, je sais. Je parle un petit peu de français. But yeah. I don't remember so, most of my French high school classes. I, I un- like most of the languages I speak, I understand it more fully than I speak it. This was a really neat thing, though, because Clancy plays the cello, which is the soundtrack of sorts for our adult to break out of their bindings. And it's a, it's a good fight scene. It's not like John Woo choreographed, which I think is actually better because when you are in a situation like they are, you don't have time for fancy shit. And in fact, combatives is very unfancy in reality. Like the shit you see in the movies is nonsense. It looks good. But sometimes you just have to bash a motherfucker over the top of the head with a chair leg. I know that you've seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I'm reminded that they have a song called Real Life Fighting is Awkward. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that show so much. But that's for people who are not trained in combat. Whereas (sighs) trained combat is also not fancy, but is not quite awkward. I mean, it kind of is. You do end up penetrating people with several objects. Beautiful. Yeah, there's there's no way to do that unawkwardly. <laughs> At some point during this performance, the security guard who was escorting the kids radios in and is like, nah, they're legit. Cancel my last thing. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> He's a fucking joker is what he is. Oh my goodness. Other insane thing. Margot and Leo finish the fight and they're like leaving the area. They've not gotten to the main part of the venue yet they hear cello and margo goes is that clancy and it's like that's an insane leap in logic and ron is like it sounds like clancy uh, as they like walk by i'm like what are you talking about she's not a composer like she's that not a would have made sense but like so i feel like you know some people's music performances are idiosyncratic enough that like if you hear it all the time like you know if you have a child who needs to practice a cello uh, and they get that good yeah you you kind of like clock how you know how that sounds so i think that's not unreasonable it is a leap though when they get to this thing they do they continue their fight scene but the music playing is i like candy and i was like that's a weird choice yeah yeah what ensues is a bloodbath (laughs) so yeah so there's a moment where like matilda like is at the top of the stairs and she goes oh hi clancy (laughs) And everybody's like, this is very, very awkward. It stops every bit of the action. Like, the the heist is fully off at this point. Mm-hmm. So the security kind of, like, moves in because, obviously, this is a disruptive element in their heads of state presence. So that's got to fucking stop, like, right now. Mm-hmm. And there, there is another... This one's a little more John Woo. There's a fight 
that involves like a flagpole a flagpole which like okay staves sure that's fine and then okay there is such a thing as like a form of martial arts involving the use of rope so twisting a flag into something rope like is not unreasonable but also where did you learn that they elaborate paramilitary training (laughs) as we tend to do we're not really gonna like go through the fight yeah we're not gonna choreograph the fight scene but towards the end leo yells out to clancy on stage grab the crown because the queen is just happens to walk by and she like does she use her bow to like pick it off her head or am i misremembering yeah no if it was like either a bow i i felt like i might have like the first time through, I feel like I saw it as like a sword. That can't be right, though. No, like bows have a little bit of a point on the end, so yeah. So like, but but she is able to scoop it off and then leap over two security guards and get caught by Leo. And it's like one, you're telling me that Queen didn't notice, and two, that's in front of so many people. Yeah, like okay, we'll get to it in the analysis section. There is a potential way that this could be salvaged, but it does require you to get the fuck out of there post-haste. Here's how Bernie Sanders can still win the election. <laughs> Lol. It does have that energy to it, but like slightly more sinister. Yes. I wrote here, because there was something between Leo and Matilda. I go, there's a slightly different movie out there where Ron is getting cocked. Yeah, so... The the joke in this entire thing is that Ron is like the the supreme dork and is just having to sit there and absorb Margot and Leo's intense sexual chemistry. And like you could just you could hear like this would go around 4chan and people would complain about it being, you know, more examples of like cuck porn making it into the mainstream. Oh, God, please. Just the worst shit. Yeah. They are running through like a parking garage and they seem to get stopped by a security guard, a different security guard, not like main security. And oh shit, it's Jay. It's Jay. It's like, all right, sure. Okay. All right. Margot and Jay's dynamic. I cannot be the only person who thought it was intensely sexual. My literal next note says there's also another movie where Malin Ackerman <laughs> yeah. and this lady escaped to be lesbians. Yeah, I was sitting there like, now kiss. Kiss. Kiss! <laughs> and just didn't. It was like watching Coriolanus. It's very funny, though, that right before they get their moment together, she stops Mim from escaping. Is like, hey, 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 hand over the Rolex. Because apparently Mim just lifted a Rolex off of someone. Off of a cat burglar. And she's like, you have a thousand of them. Oh, I thought it was someone in the <laughs> in the party. No, no, no. She, she stole it from Jay. That makes uh, more like, sense. Hey, hey, hey. Give me the Rolex. She's like, you got a thousand of them and like puts it in her palm. Also, Jay managed to sneak like a beautiful emerald necklace, which Malin Ackerman thinks is just the coolest thing. They get to like a safe house high rise apartment. Mm -hmm. And again, this is more just like people saying words that like kind of mean something, but like not really. Yeah. So the idea was that Leo so so. The reason that Margot is named Margot and is in, and not Matilda, and is in witness protection is because she turned state's evidence against a, a smuggler, Jean-Paul Duvy, a name that Ron cannot pronounce. But anyway, 
with Jean-Paul in prison for ostensibly ever, there was an opening as head of operations that Leo filled. He did not go into witness protection. He has been running the crime syndicate the entire time. This is an actual heel turn. Yes. Because I do appreciate this didn't come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But you don't immediately suspect him. You're Because he is initially introduced of being like so overjoyed to be reunited with Matilda. Yeah. So that you don't kind of, you don't see this part of him. And like, I expected the dynamic to be like, you know, between him and Ron to be like, Ron is clearly like has some animosity towards him and he's just like above that. I was hoping for that dynamic. And what I got was just like, these two are now like fully butting heads, which I think that's probably more realistic, but also like it's less interesting. But also Leo is less shaken by the butting of heads, whereas Ron Mm -hmm. is just a wreck. To be fair, Ron looks like a big stupid dummy and Joe Manganiello is was in magic mike xxl apparently big dick richie (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you andy mcdowell apparently big dick connoisseur they Uh. get held hostage by one of leo's associates so leo escapes with the crown the associate is going to stay behind and try to frame them for the theft so without getting into it ron throws a spider at her and then like margo kind of like fights with her for a minute until Ron shoots a chandelier that lands on her. One, bless up on Ron for setting his wife up. That was a baller move. Yeah. But then him shooting a gun, that's so lucky that no one got shot. Yeah, because he he clearly has no idea what to do with the goddamn thing. His hand is shaking. He, like, looks away when he shoots. Like, it's... His eyes fully closed. Everything you're not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. This, this man should not have a weapon. But yeah, so... It's fine. They kind of like escape and chase down Leo. Hot wires the van and they chase down Leo with the kids in tow. Not sure why. I mean, I guess there's nowhere to put them. Yeah. Earlier, Kevin had picked up a laser pen and he ends up setting it off. And then we see an explosion. It's like, oh, hey, there's the SFX budget for this movie. So, all right. When we say laser pen, you might think like a laser pointer. No, no. This is like a directed energy weapon. Like spy movie shit. Yeah. This is like Dune laser. Like if you've seen the new Dune, it's that kind of laser. Anyway, there's an explosion. It doesn't matter, but I was like, oh, wait, that's like the only high budget thing I've seen of this so far. Yep. 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 That was, uh, yeah, all of their budget went to explosives. They smash into the sports car that Leo's driving with this like highest safety rating ass minivan. Yeah. Like, okay, that's close. You almost did it right. So what you would want to do in that situation is what's called a pit maneuver, where you would hit the rear quarter of the car with the front quarter of your car, and that would cause the car to kind of like lose control and spin. What ended up happening, though, was fine. It just pushed him on a new course to run into some barrels. Barriers, like, what would you call yeah. those? Those are work barriers. Yeah. So it's like, okay, sure, it worked. Then Leo gets out on foot. For some reason, Ron chases him instead of Margo. Margo's watching the kids. Also, Ron's got that 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 monster finger strength. Yeah. At one point, he grabs Leo's arm and his sleeves tear away. And I go, of course he has tear away sleeves. No, duh. <laughs> this is this this is actually the the reminder for a rule of threes planting and payoff. Because 
when we like Joe makes a comment about his like of course sleeve- it's sleevelessness. sleevelessness. Yeah, his his sleevelessness, unbesleavedness <laughs> in the cabin. So this is the reminder, and we'll get the payoff in the credits. Anyway, they take down Leo, they get the crown, and then they're celebrating. And I was like, this feels like the beginning of 21 Jump Street. Do you remember when they like stop some yeah. drug dealers in a park and they're celebrating way too hard for what they've done? Yeah. Then, you know, fail to Mirandize them and like the whole shenanigans. Yeah. 21 Jump Street. Yeah. These people are not responsible for any of that, but it's like, okay, calm down. Yeah, yeah. We're now in, like, the very early hours of the morning. Not, no, sorry, we were in the very early hours. Now we're, like, at, eh, 7 in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're they're basically riding back. Like, they give the police a report, and they're riding back to Cape Cod with the marshal who broke out and, like, caught up to the action after everything had ended. Classic government agent. <laughs> yeah. So why police should not exist. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for that. <laughs> so there's there's a cute thing between Kevin and Mim where she's like, "Hey, yeah. you're really brave," and it's kind of sweet. And then like he leans in for a kiss, but she's already turned away. <laughs> it's like yeah. good for Kevin, yeah. but also I'm glad this is how it played out. Yeah, would not have been good to go the other direction with that. So yeah, so there's that, and then there's a reconciliation with Clancy and Margot, where it's revealed that Margot started off well matilda started off her career in theft as part of the baddest ass orchestra i've ever seen and she was a cellist and she was a cellist so clancy's sort of like growth arc through this movie is like trying to convince her mom who she doesn't think will let her like go to this summer music program this really prestigious school but she very quickly agrees after this harrowing adventure because she was a cellist, and she recognizes that Clancy is really fucking good. We get back to the house. Turns out Travis has been waiting there for who knows how long. I said, that's so weird. I think we have a drop. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. So yeah, my my thought when I saw him was like, hey man, aren't you in jail? Who knows? It does not matter. Yeah, none of this none of this matters at this point. It's basically we're wrapping up story. Lines yep. Because there was no like... There was no growth arcs throughout this movie. The 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 meat of the movie was basically like between growth arcs. So now we we have to wrap up now that we're in the last few minutes of the yep. movie. And the the little the bedwetting Asian kid is like, I don't need my special pee underpants. And I was like, that's how you're gonna summarize everything? Really? Yeah. God damn it. My notes here just say the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get like one of those classic, I don't remember what era of movies, where like they tell you how everyone ends up with just like a few lines of text. Oh, that is early 80s. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Here's where we get the payoff for Kevin having to redo his school project. And I was like, ah, it's better than nothing. So he told the truth and still got a zero because his teacher didn't believe him. Yep. Which, fair enough. We also get the payoff that Leo went to prison for 18 years. And tore the sleeves off his jumpsuit. Yeah. We also get information about the other people. It I Does could not, not care less at this point. Yeah. So that's the fucking movie. Roll credits. <sighs> okay. Do you have any two-sentence analysis for this? Because that's really all it deserves. No, but I do have some deep Sophia lore that we have to go over. Cool. <laughs> so, the scene in the beginning where, you know, Kevin is just hoping to 
hoping to fuck that like dad pulls out before the teacher catches up reminded me all right I'm, hold on no i need to pause real quick you said he, kevin's hoping to fuck and i was like where is this going <laughs> oh god okay well i don't like using the term hoping hoping to christ because like who the fuck needs more we live in a christian dominated society who the fuck needs more of that hoping to shit that uh, yeah. dad pulls out before the teacher catches up and i was reminded this may not surprise any of you and it may surprise some of you quite a lot but i do have a bit of a criminal background <laughs> my first foray into the illegal arts was in forgery and it started when i was in eighth grade like I had ADHD really bad and like couldn't be fucked to do my homework. And so my parents, like I just started leaving stuff off of like, you know, just started not doing my homework. So my parents made me like write down what my homework was and I just, you know, erased stuff. And then my parents made me get my teacher to sign it. And that's where I, you know, started forging signatures. And it, I got caught in eighth grade in a very similar way to like it, it, I forged my history teacher's signature and I was in the car. I was about to like get away with it. And I've been doing this for months. I, I thought it was bulletproof. And then here comes my teacher, Mr. Johnson. I was like, Hey mom, can we like, can we go? He's like, no, no, Mr. Johnson's coming. I'm like, yeah, can I, I need to use the bathroom? Can we go please? <laughs> and nope. Got busted. Oh boy. I got grounded for six months. However, my, forgery career did continue after that into high school i did absentee slips and all that sort of stuff i was about to say you might need to be careful because this could hypothetically end up in a deposition <laughs> not really i mean no no i mean if it's a minor it would depend how far you continued forgery but it sounds like that's in the past. no I, I i never did anything like that that would you know rise to a criminal level like now yes. but it was very much you know, a crime against the public school system, which, fuck them. Hey, crime begets crime. The public school yeah. system is a crime. Yeah, and, like, it's not like it's not basically a prison anyway. They're just, yeah. you know, setting you up for that. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is, boy, it sure sounds like I know a lot about theft. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into this one, but a lot of this movie kind of, like, they clearly watched some art theft movies and you know kind of between that and the spy movies that's how they got their concept of what you know big ticket item theft looks like no <laughs> nope so when you are stealing something as priceless as the crown jewels of a sovereign nation the last thing you want to do like you want to have that on your person for the least amount of time possible you have to get rid of that fucking thing immediately Ergo, like with some, you know, mid to high level stuff, you would have like a fence who would like arrange to sell it at like a black auction or would find a buyer for it and it would sit in their possession until they did. In big ticket items, you already have a buyer set up. So this is why I say like, okay, the, the covert part of this plan has gone to shit, but they have the crown as long as they get the fuck out of there and get it to the buyer before they get caught by law enforcement or detected by law enforcement it would be fine. So there is a way forward with this plan. It's not, it doesn't look good. And like, you're probably going down for something, but it won't be for stealing the crown jewels. So where the fuck are they? What is that? Grand larceny? Is that the charge? 
Or is there something more serious? For something like that, I think it would probably be assaulting a head of state. So it would be like assault with like some add-ons. Okay. But also probably like if they could prove that you had the, the or that you took the materials like beyond a reasonable mm-hmm. doubt. Yeah, probably grand larceny. Okay. I don't have a lot of like actual analytical thing, but like the themes of the movie, I just feel like that's what I can say. It's coming of age because the kids are growing up. They're trying to get more responsible. And it's also looking at family dynamics. Like there's not really a lot to it. It's it's a kid's movie. You don't need a lot of these like very heady themes. No, nope. it's it's fun, silly bullshit. Yeah. My general thought, though, is this movie really wanted to be Spy Kids. You know what? You are not the only person to say that. So I did go through the IMDb page of this movie, and most of the reviews kind of centered around how this was a very Spy Kids-ass movie. I also went on the IMDb page, and one of the movies that was recommended, because we talked about that last time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was a Netflix movie that I think was called We Can Be Heroes, which is the sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. About their kids. Boy, howdy, we are not watching that. No, absolutely not. But Sharkboy and Lava Girl is from the same person who made Spy Kids. So I was like, yeah, I can see how that all tracks. Yeah. I think my my uh, top line, or my, uh, my non-analytical observations would be like, I really fucking hate kids movies. Yeah. But as, I don't know if I mentioned it explicitly, but I'll say it here again. I like the adults in this movie. I like Joe Manganiello. I like Ken Marino. And I like Malin Ackerman. I think they did a great job. Ken Marino is acting the hell out of this movie. Yeah, I refuse to believe that Ken Marino had to dig very deep for for some of his roles. But I feel like he did have to kind of dig deep for like a big doofy chode. I don't even know if it's digging deep, but he had to pull out some energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like the adults in this movie and, and Carla Souza. The only adult that I really did not like was the the tiger mom from the beginning and end. yeah but fortunately she's barely in it and she might as well be a mannequin yeah deeply does not matter so yeah all of the adults in this movie are really great all of the like i like the child actors in this movie they are they are good at what they do it's just rough watching kids holy shit it is so fucking hard and like there's a lot of cringe comedy in here and like i have a really big problem with like secondhand embarrassment so like I had a hard time watching this movie in one setting. Let's go to ratings. Ratings. Woo. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, you know, best picture nominee. One no, no, no. Being enjoyability. Enjoyability. Enjoy- yeah, yeah. Enjoyability. 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. I don't know. This is, this is about a five. And that's, you know, a 10 for, you know, adult movies. Yep. Uh, I was going to say four and a half. It's like, it's whatever. It, it's it's perfect. It's It might be the perfect children's movie, but it's still a children's movie. Yeah. Obscurity, where one is Best Picture nominee and 10 is Literal Student Film. So many big name actors. I mean, it was a Netflix movie, and those don't typically get a whole lot of press. Especially not Netflix kids movies. Yeah. I'm going to say probably seven. I was going to go about a six. Because as you mentioned, yeah. big name actors, but also B-list big name actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not like, it's not Bill Murray. No. Bill Murray voicing Garfield. Lol. Ugh. 
As we wrap up our episode, we end with a pop culture pop-out, some piece of pop culture that we've been interested in as of late and just want to chat about for a bit. Sophia, would you like to start? Sure. So my pop culture pop-out for this week is an RPG system called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Surprising, exactly no one. So this is a game published by Powered by the Apocalypse Games. And I mean, it does what it says on the tin. I haven't had a chance to play. I'm working my way through the source book and it's the, the mechanics are a bit in depth, but it seems like it's going to be fun. And like, if I get a bunch of my lesbian friends together, someone's going to end up dating someone by the end of one session. Beautiful. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Do you mean the characters or the players? Both? Sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If I remember right, Powered by the Apocalypse, at least like determining what dice you need to roll is extremely simple because it's always two six-sided dice. Hey, I'm I'm a big fan of 2d6. That's good. Good to do. Yeah. So, Kyle, what's your uh, pop culture pop-out this week? I've been watching a lot of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because Mm. the sixth part of it was just released to Netflix. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's been a long time coming, I guess. I'm still making my way through part five. But it's just, my friend was asking me what the appeal of this anime is. And I was like, it's not that the protagonists win through sheer greater power. It's that they use their weird magic powers, because that's a, whatever, I'm not getting into that part. But they use their weird magic powers in very clever ways to, like, outsmart their opponents. Yeah. And that's like the big appeal to watching this. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Sophia, where can people find you online? Well, I have a link tree. It'll be in the description here. But the big notes are I'm on Twitter at Hamilcarrenina. At, that's H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I am on Quora and Medium at Sophia Helena Maestatricht. So here's what I'm thinking as far as my YouTube channel is concerned. So I had pitched before the idea of having bonus episodes where like, because I know I, I, I listen to the podcast kind of a lot. So I know that I've dropped some threads that were fairly interesting. And I use the phrase, we don't have time. And I never come back around to those things. So I was thinking of doing a segment on my YouTube channel where I go in depth on those things. A companion piece. A companion piece. I'm still, I want to make sure that I have like a good backlog of things to talk about before I commit to that. But that is the plan going forward uh, with my YouTube channel, which is also Sophia Lena Mastery. Don't find me on Facebook. And my Instagram is Sophia H underscore MDT. Kyle, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Kyle the Giggles. I am on Tumblr and Letterboxd under Hebrew Hammer. I don't post as much as I should maybe, but you know what? That's how I choose to engage with social media. So. Mm-hmm. If you would like, you can leave a voice message by following the link at the bottom of the show notes where you can contribute to a future episode, whether by leaving your own pop culture pop out or discussing a movie. It doesn't have to be the current one. You could talk about something old and we'll address that. Hmm. But in order to talk about the next movie, if you're so inclined, Sophia, what are we watching? The informant exclamation point. Amazing. Now, as this is going to be the end of the year things might get a little delayed timelines might be a little messed up not certain but we will catch you next time and if you like the show let your friends know 
hit subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, definitely spread the word. We love fan engagement, so feel free. We really enjoyed uh, having one of our fans, you know, record a live reaction to uh, Sorry to Bother You. And uh, we'd like to hear more of that in the future. Yeah, you can learn Morse code and tap out a recommendation anywhere you go. (laughs) But thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day and a good holiday season. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.